and welcome to Fox Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and love from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, King of the Monsters, Steel. And I'm Jade. Fuck Batman? Really? Rose. <laughs> oh my gosh. And uh, <laughs> while San Diego Comic Con may be fading from memories, Gen Con on the horizon, not that either of us are going to be going to that, or Comic Con for that matter. But we thought it, we should take some time to dissect the trailers and announcements that we saw at the show. But as always, we're going to do that thing we do. We're going to geek out and we're going to catch up. Maybe not in that order. <laughs> hey, Mish. Let's. I mean, I think to be fair, like some of this stuff is going to be things that came up at Comic Con. Yes. So it's all a delightful mishmash. Comic Con thoughts is kind of a guiding thing for the episode, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at Comic Con, there was uh, an award ceremony called the Eisners. Oh yes, and... dear listeners, you are in distinguished <laughs> company. And on the other thing that we record, I didn't bring this up. Someone else did. Uh, we all did, except you. Yeah. Everyone except you brought it up. It's fine. Um, it's not something I've been boasting about much, but I did win an Eisner Award. Um, so proud. They are cool. They they are often referred to as the comic Oscars or what have you. I won the equivalent of um, at the Baftas when they give out like a the rising different star coloured, uh, slightly different voters. Not quite a real one, but still quite cool award. Um, I won the Russ Manning uh, most promising newcomer, mm-hmm. which is a funny award because it's like, uh, <laughs> sort of like okay, now prove it. <laughs> I've got to like earn it in my career from now on Um, but it's very cool and I actually brought up the the Oscars the Eisners because um, generally the winners were a lot more diverse than um, in previous years and not just uh, you know done for any kind of patting on the back it just was really nice to see an award show acknowledge the work that's been happening for a long time um, in a way that uh, the Eisners often have awarded sort of the big two of Marvel and DC over the Mm. years a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, But a lot of self-published stuff, a lot of indie published things and web comics were winning awards. Um, And with that, naturally, you get more diverse people making them. Um, So that was really cool. I I wish I could have gone, Mm. but... um, it was a, a a good award show to be a winner at, I think. Aww. It would be really annoying if, like, I was really happy to win my Eisner at the same time. <laughs> but, like, everyone was mad at the Eisners for some reason. And I'd be like, oh, but what about me? There's a, um, a, a good year to be part of it, then. Yes. And I just think it's... a it's The comic industry has its problems like any industry. Mm. Um, but uh, it's also one in which anybody can make a name for themselves in some ways Mm. um you don't need a lot of money to put a comic on the internet and uh if it's good enough and if people respond to it enough it can get places um so yeah right um well you as you've spoken about an achievement and a good thing that you've been a part of um i've mentioned a couple of times in previous episodes um an actual play podcast that i got invited to be a part of called follow the leader um Mm -hmm. and we've had our first episode go out and the reception so far has been really warm and people are sort of enjoying what we're doing and we've had a whole bunch of downloads so um i just yeah i want to let people know about that you can find the show 
I know this is not the middle section of the show where we plug shit, but uh, the, the the compulsion to sort of half sing song middle section of the show is powerful. Um, mm. But you can find it at, at FTLcast uh, on both Twitter and on Tumblr. And yesterday we had a recording session for it using a system that I'd never played before called Karma, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of very similar to fiasco in feel but sort of like more condensed a bit simpler and we got to basically do buzzfeed unsolved (laughs) Uh, we went for the haunting playset and we had a a really good time and i was sort of the whole ethos of follow the leader is that we take turns being the leader it's all gmless games but one of us will like do the intro and sort of lead sort of the okay now we're doing this and now we're doing that and it was my first time doing that for this group and it was uh it was really fun so yeah, I, I'm I'm proud of that. I'm proud to be a part of it. I'm not in the first sort of mini arc, the first game, which is going to be a couple of episodes. But that is no reason not to listen to it at all because uh, I'm lucky to play with a bunch of people. Um, I think most of us are non-binary uh, and queer. Uh, all of us, I believe, are queer. Most of us are non-binary, so it's a it's a cool group. So you should it'd be cool if you guys maybe wanted to check that out um i know a couple of listeners already have because i've seen uh the tweets come through about it so rad but yeah oh that's so cool it feels good to be part of an actual play podcast that actually has had an episode be released (laughs) i'm just gonna beat yourself up about it i will drag myself as much as i see fit hamish Steele. um (laughs) this is (laughs) please continue Um, this isn't on my list of notes, but yesterday I went to Walthamstow Pride. How was it? Um, which was very interesting. It it was it was small. Mm. Um, it was chilled. Um, but it's really nice to have gone to a town's first Pride, and mm. it was doing everything that. Whenever I complain about Pride, I'm I'm always complaining exclusively about the organisation London Pride. Um, and this was very much uh, with that mindset of we don't want to become that. Um, mm. It, uh, you know, I actually donated to it, uh, which uh, I know it can't necessarily fund the whole of London Pride or whatever, but um, it felt a lot better than having, you know, a big Barclays yeah. stand there or anything. Sure. Um, and it was really nice. We got to. Um, I actually can't remember her name, I feel bad, but meet one of the original um, lesbians and gays support the minors. Oh, um, She came to do a, a, a talk and it was really nice her comparing the fight um, that, you know, she was part of with the fights that are going on now. Mm. Um, and yes, it's it was she was very great. She did a big angry speech. Yes. <laughs> um... But from one queer icon to another, mm. um, a bunch more Steven Universe dropped. I'm sure we can avoid most yeah. spoilers, but um, I'm sure anyone that cares have seen it by now. Um, but what was I thought was cooler was a really great interview with Rebecca Sugar, um, the creator, who had already come out as bi, um, in the past. Mm. Um, and I don't know if this was her coming out as such, but first recorded mention of her talking about being non-binary mm. and how um, the gems in the show as sort of um, femme presenting 
non-binary characters was her way of uh, sorting out her own feelings about her own gender. Mm. Um, I think what I, what I particularly dug about that was uh, Rebecca Sugar specifically using the phrase non-binary woman because mm. I think a lot of people still hold on to this idea as non-binary people being very much this androgynous magical third gender which is so problematic oh dang where's my jar <laughs> i owe the jar we've probably got a few episodes about that to be honest yeah um but it it's cool to just see that illustration of you can identify as both a man or a woman and and non-binary at the same time they are not exclusive terms um it's rad is what it is and it was a just very cool to see uh, to see her talking about that stuff. Mm. Yeah, that's all. That's that's all I had to say. Really, it was just very cool. Okay, I got a third queer icon to talk about in a very brief <laughs> little moment because they released like some onset pictures from the new Men in Black movie, <laughs> and Tessa Thompson's wearing a suit, and I just that's all I need to say. Possibly while shrieking very loudly in the back of my head. I Tessa uh, Thompson got. A bit, a- Go on. No, I was just going to say, there's that line in uh, the first Men in Black film, and just it's even more so with Tessa Thompson, which is, you know what the difference is between you and me? I make this look good. And nobody (laughs) has made it look better than Tessa Thompson. Uh, It's funny how she was announced as being in it, and it took a set picture for me to go, oh yeah, she'll wear a suit. Like obviously she does. That's the point of the the whole concept of the film. Yeah, and I hadn't even hadn't even crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. Tessa Thompson wearing a suit. Yeah, I also love that they just decided to make it a Thor Ragnarok AU. It's good. Like, it's very good. It's quite ballsy casting. Like some mm. might say it's lazy, but I think it's kind of. I think it's great. Like it's actually kind of what I like. Where it's like, well, that worked well. Let's put them in a different thing. Yeah. And there's the um speculation based on uh a while ago you know the whole sony leaks yes um where a lot of their like emails and plan meetings and stuff have been leaked they had this plan to uh reboot men in black but still set in the men in black universe but basically to also suggest basically they want to do a crossover of 21 jump street i don't (laughs) think that's still happening um but <laughs> they 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 had emails where like don't put any content in Men in Black Four or the last Twenty One Jump Street film that contradicts either universe because they now take place in the same universe. <laughs> That's fucking great. Um, oh my god! But yeah, and also like uh, I saw a, a, a um, news article that said Emma Thompson is in the new Men yeah, in Black. Yeah, she's back. And I went, back as ooh. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and then it said reprising her role from the third one, and I thought, oh. I haven't seen the third one. It's not um, bad. I think I... No. I mean, I did... I, did I enjoy it more than Men in Black 2? I'm not sure. Men in Black 2 did have Rosario Dawson. Mm. I mean, it's just it's just one of those things where the first one is very good. Yes. Yes, it is. And the others are mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Maybe. But um, best. I, I dig the premise because I think, again, it's sort of not a prequel, but it's set earlier in the Men in Black history, question mm. mark. And it's a murder mystery with Tessa Thompson's character wanting to, or is the newbie. And uh, yeah, I like 
I love like so much of the sixties aesthetic anyway, so like it's a fun world to play in. Well also the nineties had like a weird sixties revival mm. in a lot of the content with kind of Britpop kind of stuff and Austin Powers and things like that. Yeah. Um but I associate the men in black, the kind of folklore urban myth element much more with the sort of fifties and sixties and stuff like that. So Sure. If it feels a bit more fitting, maybe. Um, Quick shout out to the deeply underrated Men in Black cartoon, which has got one of the most bitchin' theme songs. Oh yeah. Ever like the animation in that show is really good. Like it's it- really weird. Like it, you wouldn't make a show that kind of mm. weird and bleakly vi- vibed nowadays for kids. Yeah. Like if you haven't seen it, check out the opening credits for the Men in Black cartoon because it's good. It's really good. We could use that as a uh, spring point to talk about other cartoon adaptions. Or do we want to follow? Yeah, do we let's follow talk do- about this. Yeah, sure. Um, we mentioned on a off episode a few episodes ago when it was announced that Noelle Stevenson was um, showrunning She-Ra, um, which is great news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think since our last episode, or at least since we've talked about it, um, some pictures of the show have uh, emerged. Yes. Some of the character designs. I don't know whether, you know, like we've seen some backgrounds released, but also we've seen some, we've gotten our first glimpse of what these characters are going to look like. And the reception has been mixed. (laughs) And by mixed, I mean a very certain subset of quote fan unquote has not liked it see this is a generalization but i'd bet a lot of these um people complaining about shira's design hated shira as kids because it was mm. the girl version of he-man yeah like i really doubt these were big shira fans yeah i'd also uh, shout out i can never j michael straczynski that's probably not but the the man who created the original shira cartoon who has uh-huh. like said it hasn't had nothing one but positive things to say about the new incarnation of the show because that's what it is it's a new incarnation uh, yeah. but also just talking about what Shira was about in response to a lot of this nerd complaining about how Shira was meant to be the ideal woman and he was just like uh no that really wasn't what it was about okay way to miss the point and uh yeah I don't want to dwell too much on this as much as um, we're still technically in wrath month. Um, I, <laughs> I don't want to get super angry right now um, about the entitlement of a certain kind of male consumer of media that doesn't like the new she design because they don't want to have sex with it mm. because uh, she's too boyish, like because there's no cleavage because uh, that's that, that tends to that she looks young and that she looks like a boy. Yeah. It's just like, one, this ain't for you. And I think we've talked about this, I think, I know you and I have talked about this off mic. I can't remember if it's come into any of our on-mic conversations, but the reaction to the Thundercats roar when that mm. started coming out. Uh, Teen Titans Go, when that came out. People getting up in arms about choices of design and how it looks and going, but that's wrong, that's broken, that's not what I want. It's just like, one... This isn't being made for you. Two, you've got yours. 
that's not going away. Mm. I mean, I it's funny watching because Teen Titans Go is quite a good example of um, the experience of kind of growing up on the internet, and I mean that in the sense that uh, oh, the art people I follow mm. used to be fan artists and and major and, and exclusively fans of things. Um, but as we've grown up, a lot of those people have started working on shows like this. Yeah. And so they understand why they exist, why they have the style they do, that we're making stuff for people younger than us. We're not making stuff for us anymore. Mm. Um, and like Teen Titans Go had like a, a 180 like mm. of public opinion recently when people actually started to not being mad at existence, but actually give it a shot and watch it. Um, and it's very funny. And like, clearly people work on it that care about it. Um, I'd, and she asked this. Yeah, no, go pl- on. no, please continue. Cause I was going to take us on to our next topic. So please. Well, it's just that like, she the same where like, we should feel compl- like we shouldn't feel anything, but if a Shira show is going to exist, we should be delighted that it's been done with love and care by someone who mm. really wants to make a show that young girls in particular, but everyone uh, can enjoy when, you know, the whole brand exists to sell toys. Yeah. And similar to Voltron, Netflix uh, has made a show, hasn't seemingly pushed merchandise that much, mm. even though it's based on a property that exists to sell toys. Yeah. Um, and they're seemingly doing the same with Shira, and just like, no, let's actually make something enjoyable, important. Um, there's a person called uh, Richard Mayer. He's on Twitter as Diversity oh. in com- and Comics. I don't really want to bring him up too much. Um, he's a joke. Don't you should, ever you should like, block that Twitter account and just save yourself I have. some grief. I meant to. Our, I, have, I meant to our listeners. <laughs> yeah, but like, what's annoying is that I've blocked him. I don't care about what anything he says. But people, there's a kind of trend to screenshot awful opinions and then share them round. Mm. Um, and I didn't really want to see that. He's he he posted a picture of Shira and a photo of Noel Stevenson um, with a tweet that said like boyish lesbian reboot Shira as boyish lesbian because she can't think of what else might be interesting and it's just actually attacking people for their sexuality and mm-hmm. um it goes way beyond like i'm mad that my character doesn't look the same he's scum. To, that, that yeah, he is scum the the idea that queer people cannot be in charge of media because we can't control our urges or something it's mm. really awful um yeah. luckily it seems to be a small angry group and yeah. most people seem to be really pleased and there's been so much fan art and cosplay already mm-hmm. and um from what i have seen of people working on the show i really trust that it'll actually be a great program yeah uh let's talk about an adaption of an existing property that <laughs> seems to be so far removed from the original material that i just looked at the trailer and was like was that a parody <laughs> trailer? Like, let I, I riffed on it for right, my title for the episode. Let's talk about the trailer for DC's Titans TV show, shall we? Part of me thinks this is why T Titans Go is getting a reappraisal. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, we've talked before how we enjoy to varying degrees uh, Riverdale, but you're, I am totally seeing its effect on media. Yeah. Um, and boy, howdy, Riverdale meets Teen Titans is, <laughs> it's a, it's a choice. Yeah. Um, I saw this really amusing thing, which is a the the young actor that plays Batman in Gotham reacting mm. to that trailer, and he's just like, <laughs> "Really? Okay. Um, well, I don't, that's not very nice." It was anyway. It was a very cute and amusing reaction, but I don't have a problem per se with Titans getting a gritty, dark reboot, like as a, as a way to explore the characters. Yeah. Uh, in a way that reflects the current tastes in media. That doesn't bother me. I love that they cast um, a black actress to play Starfire, despite we won't, we, we may be talking a minute about, again, shitty fanboy reactions to that. Uh, too long didn't read. If your only issue with the Titans trailer is the colour of her skin, then get the fuck out. <laughs> Where were you at the first 30 seconds of the trailer? Yeah. <laughs> My problem on my main my main problem on watching it is the complete disservice that they've done to Raven as a character. It's just mm. like, okay, way to take a really interesting, compellingly written character that we don't see anymore and make her a damsel scared of herself in need of rescuing. Yeah, like that. I was angry about it. Like, I'd, I'd have no problem with an angsty Dick Grayson being like, fuck Batman. That was, <laughs> as, but I did see a great art. Just the only way I would accept fuck Batman is like it written on the wall with Dick Grayson taking a picture and like Batman leaning up against it. Like that <laughs> fuck cops picture. But like, I don't understand that choice. And I think if that is the direction they're going, that's just emblematic of the way that media treats teenage girls as characters. It feels like yeah. such a step back and such a disservice to an interesting character. I recently went to Hot Topic How in America. Was, yeah. It was a wondrous experience. Uh, but one thing I noticed, and I think maybe Riverdale's kind of the exception, but basically the things that are popular with a kind of Hot Topic crowd can't really be chosen. Like, weirdly, Hot Topic was filled with, like, Mad Max stuff, uh, Overwatch, um, Sailor Moon. It had a lot of um, merchandise for RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> and it's like, I feel like a show designed for a kind of hot topic crowd, a, a show that's like, this is going to be the most angsty, teeniest thing ever, always comes off slightly patronizing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the reason why... I liked Riverdale initially was while it had that kind of vibe and mood, the characters were actually quite interesting and f uh, a bit more fleshed out than what I knew about Archie and Betty and Veronica. Mm. Um, and it does feel, I know we've only had like a tiny trailer, but it does feel like characters like Raven are given a big disservice. And uh, it, it just seems like, slight confusion as to why people like these characters yeah um the fuck batman thing is just funny yeah, like it's it doesn't like <laughs> it doesn't make me threatened by him i think i'm more not I'm, I'm more weirded out by 
Robin seemingly like shooting three men in the face. Yeah, like it. It seems a little bit weird, but um, and like the this is the thing. Like I think these are legitimate concerns of Titans. When I I was kind of following it a little bit, Mm. and when Anna Diop, the person playing stuff, I was cast. I thought she looked great. Um, but she looks very strange in the, in the, um, show and all the characters look quite strange. It's, uh, the fact that I do not like that hyper desaturated vibe that a lot of the DC stuff has anyway. And mm. it does weird things to the color. And I know there's also the issue where, uh, Starfire is like in a costume, like cause she's been to somewhere because people say, like, Oh, what the fuck is that outfit? And then it was revealed, no, she's gone to like a fancy dress party or a theme night. So yeah. Coolie boots. But yeah, I su- it just I don't I looked at it and I was like, what the fuck is it? And then came the Aquaman trailer and I was like, Well, at least <laughs> this is having fun. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah. Uh DC had a very strange weekend at Comic Con. Yeah. Um Titans feels very like Zack Batman versus Superman, yeah, like that era. Whereas the movies seem to have learned a bit, and yeah. I think the DC. Well, one thing I didn't, uh, I haven't written down in our notes. The DC cinematic universe has now rebranded itself mm. as DC Worlds, and the oh. focus will be on less on uh, connectivity and continuity and timelines. Mm. And more on, like, not AUs, but sort of, it doesn't matter so much. Um, Characters can cross over, but we're not, it's not like a Marvel thing. Oh, okay. Um, Which I think might work, because it it sounds like they want to do some quite, like, one of the things is that when Superman and Batman films come along, they always have to kind of... Mm. uh, ground themselves but most of the best superman and batman comics are kind of weird au's or really zany or yeah um stuff like that so uh, anyway we got two trailers for shazam and aquaman and the uh, <laughs> the direction the movies are going on seem quite far removed from Zack snyder's hands personally i'm really happy to see shark boy and lava girl get the <laughs> sequel it deserves oh my gosh but like i cannot take credit for that gag i'm sorry (laughs) well no but it it does seem like they learned that you know they're taking more cues seemingly from wonder woman which did a lot better um quick side note the 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 set pictures of wonder woman 1984 or whatever it is with like the Mm. outfits is rad yes oh my god it's I. Everyone assumed they'd do like World War Two, and I think jumping to the eighties is such a good choice. A good choice. <laughs> okay, back back to the trailers. Just after that brief moment there, <laughs> I was just like, my fear when Aquaman was just announced as a film was it would be at the bottom of a dark trench and yeah, there would be no colour, but it literally looks like a Little Mermaid film. <laughs> yeah, like somebody had fun. Um, I mean, there's a lot of blue. There is but... a lot of blue. Uh, I just, I really dig Jason Momoa's vibe. He's like the most. I have, I still haven't seen Justice League. Not in a real mm. rush to. I just see like somebody's just like very chill. It's just like, okay, cool. You got to come defeat your brother. Oh, okay, okay. 
and just like staring at Amberhead and just like, okay, this amazing woman has showed up in my life to present me with my destiny. And I'm just like, I'd probably look at Amberhead that way if she showed up in my life telling me that I had a destiny, you know. Um, as someone who's uh, my main knowledge of superheroes actually comes from doing that like marvelous mondays and redesign challenges like mm-hmm. i know a lot of superheroes designs but i don't know their characters that well yeah like my favorite like supervillain design of anything is black manta mm. which is the guy with the giant head with the big red like eyes mm-hmm. and it's so comic booky yeah and so like designed in the 60s mm. and it's in this film pretty accurately <laughs> it looks in the, awesome. like no attempt has been made to grittify it yeah and it looks great because of it it looks very confident and weird mm. um so i'm excited for the the wet boy movie yeah uh speaking of confident and weird um i was i am vaguely aware of the Shaz- Shaz- of shazam and what the story was so when I watched the trailer, which just had the screen cap of a very confused looking Zachary Levy, I was like, okay. And the fact that they seem to have gone for like kind of a big kind of vibe with mm. this, but there's a lightness to the story that we see so far. And it looks like there's a key part of this film is going to be the relationship between these two foster brothers. Mm. And that is really cool to me but also I'm a, a genuinely a fan of Zachary Levy as a performer like I mean granted a lot of that's to do with Flynn Rider <laughs> sorry not sorry but again what we were saying tonally it feels very different to every DC film we've had so far yes but also it doesn't feel a parody on the level that titans. it can't exist in the universe unlike titans <laughs> yes but like the 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 humor in the trailer does actually feel natural. Yes. Um, and I don't know. Shazam's something that I, again I, I think similarly I was like aware of the concept, but I can imagine it's quite a hard film to get the tone right of. Yes. And I think S- Superman meets Big is like a really good choice. It looks like a an actually fun, heartfelt movie about something. Yes rather than oh well here's another superhero movie that we have the rights to yeah um it actually looks like the person making it had a story they wanted to tell Mm. Um, yeah agreed um so i'm excited for that before we go to uh the middle section and our tea break would you like to now scream about another trailer (laughs) yes Let, let, let 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 the flailing begin so, uh, we recorded um, the aforementioned Natural Play podcast last week, um, and about five minutes before recording, the trailer for Godzilla King of the Monsters dropped. <laughs> um, and so I ran and watched it as many times as possible. I may have watched it silently a couple more times during recording. <laughs> um, no judgment. Godzilla is my favourite thing. Uh, my my first fandom. Your forever um, fandom. Yeah, and um, the, the twenty fourteen Godzilla film had uh, a mixed response. It did well with critics, but less with audience reception. Mm. Um, it intentionally misled people with its advertising. Yeah. Um, I think that was probably a poor move. 
So a lot of people came out quite grumpy because the trailer's really, really bent with a Brian Cranston versus an evil Godzilla, mm-hmm. um, which is very small aspect of the film, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think it's a good film. And speaking of cinematic universes, mm. uh, this monsterverse, they call it, has had only one other film, which is Kong Skull Island. And both of those films have quite different tones, but they are also building something very patiently. Yes. Um, I did actually see the Tom Cruise mummy film, and it's hilarious how much world building they're trying to cram in as quickly as possible. Mm. Like, spoilers for the Tom Cruise mummy movie, but uh, about 20 minutes in, we already meet, like, Jekyll and Hyde, and we hear about Frankenstein, and there's, like, a reference to Dracula, and you're like, okay, slow down. Slow down. Um, Also funny moment when... uh, uh, no, I won't talk about the mummy film. No, <laughs> That's a different podcast. Godzilla. Godzilla is actually taking its time with a cinematic universe, but um, the stakes are definitely being uh, upped. Um, get, I think I was trying to describe... They're getting the gang together. They're getting the yes, gang the... together. <laughs> the boys are back in town. Um, yes. Teased in this trailer were Godzilla's... Um, some of his most famous rogues gallery of Mothra, King Ghidorah, and Rodan. Mm-hmm. Um and I was trying to describe the feeling to someone, and I said, like, imagine if they kept making Batman films, but they'd never even touched his rogues gallery. Mm. Um, while these monsters do appear a lot in the Japanese films, in the American movies, it's been a long time waiting to see them try and tackle something other than Godzilla. Mm. Um and I'm just very excited. And there's like a lot of love. It like, A, it was just like a very well done trailer. Beautiful choice um, of music. Like Claire de Lune. Yeah, like great music. And just it it had a tone. Mm. Um, a tone I haven't seen in a trailer for a while. Mm-hmm. Of it. It was. T- these Godzilla films do take themselves quite seriously. Mm. But I don't think they are without. They're not grim dark. They they still enjoy the spectacle and yes. I I felt from the Godzilla trailer, it had the tone that I felt slightly missing from the Jurassic World films, which was just kind of like the awe of these creatures. Yes. Um I felt it felt like the first Jurassic Park or something, just mm-hmm. like look at these big beautiful beasties. Um yeah. Quick. And yes, go on. I just yeah. say quick law question. Oh, wise kaiju master. Um, who is the big turtle guy? So, because I'm um, fairly certain I saw Millie Bobby Brown put her hand on the head of something that definitely looked like a big turtle head, and I was like, mm, that looks like a tortoise. So, yeah, I thought it. I thought it was a turtle at first, and um, a lot of people assumed Gamera, but. Mm. It, that legally would never happen. Oh. Gam- Gamera is a... It's, it's kind of like a DC Marvel thing. Oh. Like, uh, they've never been in a film together. And if they were to be in a film, it would be the main thing. They wouldn't just kind of okay. low-key show it in a trailer. Um, okay. Thank you. Please continue. The lighting is very strange, but it's actually Mothra. Oh. So, Mothra... Um, in the films is either a giant moth or a little grubby kind of caterpillar. Ah. 
Um, and most Mothra films involve the grubby caterpillar having a fight with Godzilla, losing and going in a cocoon and then turning into Mothra. Yeah. And even though the design is slightly strange, yes. um, I think it is actually a caterpillar. Okay. <laughs> but if you think, like, caterpillars have slightly weird faces and... Yeah, no, um, that tracks, that tracks. The mist- the, I made the exact same mistake. I thought it was just an original creature mm. that... Yeah. Might be in the film or something, but um, oh, but it I'm not, it make go I'm, on. I'm not the kaiju fan that you are. I couldn't hope to be anyway. Um, <laughs> but I tell you what, that shot of Mothra's wings opening behind the waterfall, oh. I shrieked in delight. I was just like, oh, it was. Like, Everyone loves Mothra. Mothra's so pretty. It's a good um, good moth. It's a good good giant moth. So in terms of like character alignments. Mm. <laughs> Godzilla in this Godzilla wavers depending on the film, but in this kind of universe, he's considered sort of uh, chaotic neutral. Yes. Or he's kind of he wants. I mean, he you know it makes me think of that Star Lord line of just like because I'm one of the idiots that live on lives on this planet. Like, yeah, he defends the planet, but he doesn't really care about people. Yes, it's just like Um, this is where I'm sleeping. Yeah, and. King Ghidorah is always just like complete evil, wants to destroy all the planets and the universe kind of thing. Mm. Um, Mothra is almost always like completely friend to children, mm-hmm. wants to save the world, protect everyone. Sometimes she's a bit more like humans are the enemy and Earth needs to be saved, blah, blah, blah. But in a lot of these films, Mothra has like a connection with a child or ah. a like psychic link with someone. And the thing I really liked about the Godzilla 2014 film is that even though it wasn't completely everyone's cup of tea, it actually felt like it had watched Godzilla films yes. and was adapting the character rather than seeing, well, it's a dinosaur, you know what it does. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just pleased because it's got a new director and that's always a little worry. Mm. Um we all saw. Yeah. It's a real uprising. But um, yeah, no, let's go so I really like, uh, from what we see in the trailer, the story that seems to be happening is like, we fucked over the planet, so we need these big creatures to come and sort of help right the balance. And mm. like, like you, that feels like a really interesting dyna- a thing for me to just like, okay, because we, it's one of those things because about, oh, humans, we're top of the food chain and we are allowed to run rife. And I don't even know if that's the vibe of what these giant creatures are for in this movie, but I'm just like, I forget the name of the actress, so apologies, uh, who's playing this doctory, professory type who's just like, we need to bring them back. The, I think she calls them the Titans. Yeah. Um, it's it's unclear if she's giving a hero speech or a villain speech. I like that you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, one of the good choices I think they've made with this series is there's a lot of um like secret organizations about monsters in the Godzilla franchise. Mm. But almost all of them are focused on killing Godzilla and Godzilla is seen as a complete threat. And it's very hard to build a franchise around that, that you, like, the audience comes to see Godzilla, and if all the human characters want to do is get rid of Godzilla, Mm. it's kind of hard to root for them, even if, you know, he's destroying cities. So this kind of tone they've done at this monarch group Mm. is, we need Godzilla because, ultimately, 
we're on the same side. We mm. want to save the world. Yeah. Uh, but we should work out a better way to keep them under control. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Sally Hawkins is there again. So we're happy. Yes. Sally Hawkins. Uh, we all know why she works at Monarch. She has yep. a taste for monsters. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, oh dear. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm very pleased. I I'm I, I'm a happy Godzilla fan. I hope it's good. Yeah. Uh, shall we have a brief break? Uh, Absolutely. Okay. Let's uh, let's head to the the place where the tea happens. section of the show welcome hi the weather has um dipped a little bit i'm able to be in my recording booth without five fans on mm, it's um it's nice but my brain still feels slightly mushy hey you sound like you need some caffeine <laughs> thank you what would you recommend well how about beastly beverages fandom and fantasy luxury hand blended loose leaf tea oh and while you're drinking it you could have some tea related geeky paraphernalia is the business queer owned? It is. Are all the ingredients organic and fairly traded? They are. And are they almost all or all suitable for vegans? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I definitely will check them out. Do they have a website? You can check them out at beastlybeverages.com. They also have a Patreon, a Facebook, a Tumblr, a Twitter, and an Instagram. That's amazing. I'm also on Patreon, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram, so I'll check them out. And do they have any kind of sponsor code? Possibly a new one? They do! If you use the sponsor code PROBLEMATIC, you can get 10% off your order, and Beastie Beverage even ships worldwide. So, what was that sponsor code again? It's PROBLEMATIC, Hamish. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, wow. Wow, that was, a, that was a thing we just did. Let's talk about some other stuff too. No, seriously, please don't take that as us taking the make out of our beloved sponsor, Beastly Beverages, who is working no, no, very no. hard at MCM Manchester this weekend. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely, I've not got any in the house and I'm craving tea, mm. which is rare for me. Um, yeah, um, so check them out. Yeah, And uh, we've got two other podcasts who I want to give shout outs to here in the middle section. Uh, first off is Dungeons and Queers. It's an all trans all queer actual play D&D 5th edition podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, most other podcasting apps. These players are focused on diverse characterization and good representation. Specifically they focus on diverse genders, orientations, races and disability. They've made sure to be a deaf accessible podcast with transcripts for the episodes being available and if you of things like Friends at the Table or The Adventure Zone and you want more queer content, uh, it's a good time to hop on. Uh, you should download it and apparently you need to make sure you don't miss out on Undead Hordes, High Adventure and Larry the Cable God. <laughs> Shall I uh, try the other one? Yeah, Shall I try- please. So the other podcast we'd like to recommend is Polyam Radio. Um, it's a show all about relationships, love and polyamory. It's about queer love, that creepy uppy kind of love, that kind of love that enriches our lives and makes us do stupid things. It's about relationships that work and habits that don't and things we wish we did, didn't do to our partners. Uh, we didn't do or our partners did. <laughs> it's about trans queers and our experience and uh, analyzing our mistakes and telling you how not to make them. 
uh, if you remember on our polyamorous episode, we had a guest from this show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sophie, Uh, last name redacted. um, And that was a really fun episode. And I have good feelings about this one as well. It's available on iTunes and most other platforms. You should uh, check it out. Okay. That's it. That's everything. We can go back in. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Let me just... Yes, I'm I'm ready. I've got Godzilla out of my system, but he's never truly. I was going to say, is system. he ever truly gone? <laughs> no. Okay, let's uh, let's get back to talking about Comic Con and other things. Let us talk about a subject or a media close to our hearts. Let's talk about Doctor Who. Yes. So, the upcoming season. Uh, which Jodie Whittaker's first season has been so closely guarded, mm-hmm. um, no information leaking at all. Um, even if you go looking, like I sometimes do, <laughs> I sometimes get the craving. Um, I think this comes from the new showrunner wrote Broadchurch and had to keep the the twists and turns of that very, very secret. Um, but information has finally dropped. Um, we got a couple of trailers we got lots of new pictures, and we also had a Comic-Con panel with the whole new cast. It's exciting, y'all. Also, Jodie seemed, in general, very well received at Comic-Con. She seemed to be having a great time. There's lots of uh, stories of her meeting cosplayers. She Appeared showed up in a for fashion a fa- show. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and everyone was very excited to see her. Um, and that's really exciting to hear. I mean, like... Being cast as the Doctor is one thing, but you have to do all of these other stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess you don't have to, but it's it's always nice when they seem to be enjoying their time. Yeah. And um, um, it's been great hearing uh, what Jodie has to say about what it means for her to step into this role and talking about how being a woman isn't a genre and what it does and doesn't mean for the show and like part of why the outfit they went on, they wound up going for for the 13th Doctor was so it was something that anyone would be able to wear mm. and just the way she talks about the character is I I have no fear about what Jodie Whittaker will be like in the role at all but if anything just hearing her talk about it just solidifies that faith I have yeah there was a a few other things that made me very excited about the show the actual season itself was um the new showrunner Chris Chibnall saying how this can be your first season of Doctor Who. There's nothing that, you know, there'll be stuff brought back that will excite, you know, previous watchers, but this is very much like a, as, as much of a reboot as you could probably do. Mm. Um, which I think is really good. Cause I think, you know, we've, we've defended a lot of Moffat's run, but I think it understandably put people off because it yeah. had a tendency to set up a lot of things and not quite resolve them or, mm. Um, be very kind of you know it's been it's a show that's gone on for ten seasons. There's going to be a lot of um, mythology that's just kind of cluttered. Yeah. So it's nice to have a clean break, a whole new cast, mm-hmm. a whole new kind of set of adventures. Um, yes. Another thing that interests me is that um, while it's mentioned a couple of times, the the show does not put like story and focus on her gender no um they said that there's like you know a line in the first episode about 
it and she might uh, encounter slightly different reactions to herself in certain time periods. Mm -hmm. But it's no more than the Doctor being their usual alien self and not kind of understanding the customs of the time, kind of what not. Um, Which is just good to hear. Like, it's funny thinking about how... um, we, we like to go to Nine Worlds. I'm unfortunately not going this year, but every Nine Worlds uh, convention I've been to, there's always been a, when will we get a female doctor panel? Mm. Um, and every time I went to those panels, the kind of, uh, the um, conclusion that the panels would often come to is just like, just do it and don't put like a big bow on it and just like have the confidence just to keep the show the same and just... Mm-hmm show that it's the same character and that seems exactly what they're doing yeah shout out those schedule got released for nine worlds uh and there is an anticipating the 13th doctor panel this year mm. so which is cool um i just want to mention it because the one sort of negative little blip that i've seen was uh, a photo got released i believe from comic-con of jodie whittaker with uh, alex kingston who plays river song and the original caption was the doctor and her wife which mm-hmm. rad awesome uh, the caption was changed about an hour later, if that. Oh, right. Just to that, I, believe, I didn't notice that. Just to the actors' names, I believe. And it's just sort of... That, I know, I, I saw more people talking about it. And it's just sort of like, that, it feels like a shame. Because just like, mm. why did you feel the need to change it? Like, it was fine the way it was. What are you worried about implying? Especially with the efforts that the show went to uh, being better with regards to, to representation uh, with Bill in the last season. And the fact of the matter is, River is married to the Doctor. Yeah, like, it's canonical. Yeah, I... and it was um... it was a frustrating thing to see, I guess. It's kind of interesting, because River Song's a character that I, I do like, but... There was a couple of times I was like, okay, that's that should be that's enough. the end of her story. And then they cast Josie. I'm like, oh no, bring her back. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see A- that. Alex Kingston um, was all for it. Uh, her reaction yes. to Jodie Whittaker's casting was just like, oh. Just, Kissy noises. Yeah, it's good. Um, Alec- yeah, Alex that's Kingston sad. is one of us in so um, many ways. But yeah, I, I, I'm generally very excited. I really like seeing uh, her companions, mm. um, which have now been rebranded as friends. Um, I'm not sure exactly why. They'll probably always be called companions by fandom. Mm. But I think there's a greater emphasis on this Doctor being like a best friend to people. Mm. Um, yeah, She just wants to go on adventures, explore the universe, have fun. I, I liked that in the trailer, which is just like, um, I'm not entirely sure of the characters' names, and forgive me, you'll have to maybe remind me, but mm. the fact that she leaves a full pizza for one of them and replaces <laughs> um, the older character's uh, newspaper with Beano, assuming mm. the, assumedly from like when he was younger, and forget what she leaves for the young guy, but just like this trail of like gold energy and just like... It was just like, yeah, there's I, a playfulness, I think, so far. Uh, that's the vibe that I'm getting. And not in a trickster in a trickster god way, but rather, like you said, like a friend. Yeah, um, Graham, played by Bradley Walsh, mm. the sort of older guy in the group. Mm. I was slightly nervous about yes. that character. Same. Um, but he got described on the panel as the Doctor's Shmi. 
Oh no! Oh no! Oh, <laughs> which I don't quite understand because my 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 a lot of ideas are popping in my head. Yeah. Um, but it it does seem like her. They all have like a different role mm. to play. They but they are just like a group of friends. Yeah. Um, Look, as somebody whose favorite incarnation of Smee is uh, in Hook, where Smee and Hook have a fantastic relationship dynamic, that's very exciting to me. So hmm. I like that description a lot. That was a um, good. That was a good. Oh no, <laughs> from me. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm 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 very excited. There's also a lovely picture of the Doctor Who and Brooklyn Nine Nine casts. Mm. Um, having a great time together. Cute. I just feel it's it's nice to see Doctor Who back at Comic-Con in such a mm. excited, positive, prominent way. Yes. Agreed. Um, yes. Um, I think this is uh, the last bit of uh, Comic-Con news uh, I want to give a excited squeak about uh, is the news about Voltron. And we found out that in the next season of Voltron, we are going to be meeting shiro's former partner adam and this uh who were good though i believe they may have, they were engaged and when shiro took the mission uh that begins sort of his story with voltron uh, that relationship ended but it's just like shiro is a gay man so i often talk about my list the things i need to watch and catch up with mm -hmm. Uh, Voltron um, went up a few spaces, mm -hmm. <laughs> shot up, let's say. Um, I mean, part of me is like, uh, is it like season six this is happening? Yeah. And, you know, part of me is kind of, I, I know you're all doing your best. I really do. Yes. Um, it's slightly annoying. Um, I think Voltron has been dogged with this for a while, just like people pushing for some kind of queer representation. There was some debate about with Pidge and the, whether or not she was going to be a non-binary character and then, no, it's just a girl dressed as a boy, that narrative that we've seen time and time again. But yay for a, a cool female character. But the fact that they've made this decision for it to be about Shiro, the leader, an older character, a man of colour, a hero, and I believe... I could be incorrect, so apologies if I am, but the character of Adam is a black man. So this is an interracial gay couple of a character that is held up as this sort of ideal of heroic behaviour rather than making it one of, like, the younger guys, which is mm. also cool, but we see that we do get to see that in other places. So to have, like, this sort of figure that you can look up to uh, is, is really rad to have that character go, yeah, this is a gay man. I also, like, I'm very much on the periphery of Voltron. One of the people I game with is uh, a hyper fan. Yeah. And so um, I, I, most of it comes from them. But um, I also think it's admirable to include queer representation while sidestepping kind of shipping drama. Yes. Um, there is a lot where, of that in Voltron. Yeah, where... I feel sometimes the, the the fight for queer representation gets um, thrown in with kind of shipping stuff, mm -hmm. and it it's kind of hard because that's not the reason why we want it confirmed. Yes, um, and actually having a character confirmed in the in sort of backstory or with a character we haven't seen before, um, 
I actually think it's like a really nice way of doing that rather than like my feelings on shipping sometimes is I would rather an authentic story about someone's sexuality than uh, these two characters who've never thought about it suddenly end up together and it's fine but the show doesn't like put any thought into what that means about how they view themselves mm-hmm. does that make any sense yes. complete, um, completely I mean at the same time it's a sci-fi show in the future I don't want you know I would hope that homophobia might be a long distant memory but mm. um, I don't know I'm just very pleased I, I've been wanting a gay like leader of a team mm. that's very respected for a long time. Yeah. Um, I can only think of Brooklyn Nine Nine, really. Uh, oh. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's the thing. I can only think of like a comedy situation, mm. or not that the show puts you know makes that a joke, yeah. but just it's it's really nice in a in genre television it's, to see this, especially aimed at children. Yeah. So I'm very excited. I. I will catch up one yeah. day. Shout out to the artist that did a little animatic of that awesome video <laughs> of Cut to the Feeling with all the wigs, but doing that with Shiro, it made me very happy. It reminds me a lot of when uh, Sulu was mm. um, confirmed gay. Like, the any backlash is minor compared to the utter joy mm. everyone else gets. So I wish Shoujo would do it a little bit more. Yeah. <sighs> um, let us discuss tabletop RPGs. Oh yeah, what we've been up to. Yeah, um, I want to hear about. I, I want to hear about Monster of the Week. So I've started GMing for the first time since uh, the Power Rangers game we did, mm-hmm. um, and God, I'd love to do that again. I feel so. I hadn't been in enough games yet to do that. I think that's um, a fair thing to. And uh, I was just desperate, and so I needed to make a game happen. Yeah. But, um, uh, I mean, we've only done character gen. Our first actual session is on uh, Wednesday. After we've recorded, I'm going to start really planning that properly. Um, but, gosh darn, I love our little family. <laughs> the the characters that have been created by the group. So the game, we're doing Monster of the Week, but it's in Victorian London and sort of spooky things in that kind of setting it's vaguely based on a webcomic i did when i was a teenager um without trying the group has become essentially a family oh Um, no because so basically one of the things i loved is monster a week is that in character gen you have to have a backstory connection with everyone else at the table Mm -hmm. so you have to already know each other if you listen to the adventure zone they do it sort of lightly where it's kind of well we're all in the same town, so we probably all know each other, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but here we went quite full on. We talked about previous missions, we talked about how we met each other, um, and I thought that would be sad because it's not in game time and we'd really miss out on those introductions. But it's actually been really great because um, we actually have now some context to talk about things with. And I really want to do some like Griffin McElroy style, like flashbacks to moments Ooh. kind of stuff where I'm like, okay, so you're back in that forest. And uh, so essentially the group is um, a Claude, a um, trans man who sort of 
faked his death um, as the sort of heiress of his um, family. Yeah. And has come to live in London. His twin brother knows everything and is like supporting everything. Um, and I'm excited to play him because they have a really good relationship. Yes, good. Um, and he now lives in this kind of was once a lovely manor, now is a a kind of cluttered mess in Soho. And what was really fun is I said, "What's the address?" I mean, made up an address. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I went to visit that address and it's exactly a kind of old house that we wanted it to be. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Which is another really fun thing about doing a kind of London game and we're setting it around Soho, which I know quite well, is that we can actually say street names and say old shops and old pubs and things like that. Um, So he is, he's kind of like a Giles. He kind of like Mm -hmm. researches monsters. Um, He has... uh, he found a fae, a fairy, on one of his missions. Yeah. And you know how iron is poisonous to fae? I'm well aware, yes. Um, he found uh, this fairy um, with a nail in her foot. Ah. And was poisoned. And he took her to London to study her. But now it's kind of infected her to the point where... This is a fairy who doesn't get her powers from nature. She gets her powers from like the industrial revolution. <laughs> and so, so she's like all jam. <laughs> she's all like smoke and bricks and like steam and stuff. And she now can't ever go back to the fae realm because she had poisoned it. Mm. Um and so she's like magically bound to be his like ward and she lives in the attic. Um and then there's like a farmer boy that uh, Claude found who has magic powers and he's kind of like a cute little dumpling who oh. uh, has psychic powers and then we have a big game hunter who um, has a huge crush on Claude um, this is very good this is very good um, and sort of decided to swap hunting innocent animals for evil beasties Um and he's travelled the world, and during character gen, I said, ah, oh, he's probably got, like, you know, illegitimate children in all of these different countries. And he went, yeah, probably, very flippantly. And I was like, you're going to meet one. <laughs> um, he also he also casually said that he has a dad out there somewhere, and I'm instantly planning a Last Crusade-style, like, junior kind of character. This is very good. Um, I am excited. It's very, very fun. I can't wait to play. Oh, that's um, rad. <sighs> so, yeah. Cool. How about you? Well, last week, I think it was last week. Yeah, not the week we're just finishing at time of recording, the week before that and sort of the week before that. I had somewhat of a tough time. Uh, I, I had a bad week, as those of us who are not neurotypical do sometimes. Mm-hmm. As to people who aren't, you know, everyone can have bad weeks. But I had a couple of really rough days in a week where every single one of my D&D characters was also having a really shit time. And uh, I think I can't remember who I, I was r- rattling through varying stuff at work to one of the guys at work. And they were just like, did your DMs just like have a meeting and decide that it was going to be bad mm. on every front? Because it certainly felt like that. I have um, 
my character Arayas, who I've got no problem saying this uh, here, is multi-classed ranger warlock. <laughs> as far as Arayas was concerned, uh, their warlock powers came from a god. Um, their god, the god that they had been raised to believe in, whose scripture was tattooed on their body, and then they met their god, and their god was just like, oh, okay, you're going to go do my work in this other place, have some powers, <laughs> off you go. Reyes then met another titan, like this original, like his, quote, god, who was basically just like, you've been lied to, you've been worshipping false gods, I'm going to free you from that. Literally vaporised the tattoos off Arayas's body and was just like, yeah, no, I'm a god, da, 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 explained a few things. And that was where that session ended. And I haven't had a session with that character since. So that character's in like hardcore existential crisis mode, as you do. Uh, mm -hmm. Anerin, my Eladrin druid, uh, had some, her brother was being a bit of a shit heel. And so she did something arguably ill advised. Um, and he basically compared her to their evil fairy godmother. Say evil, she's an arch fae. So it's complicated, but basically compared Anerin to that. And Anerin has a very difficult relationship with that entity. So she got knocked out of the spring mode she was in into winter, which is her sad mode. Mm. So that happened to her. Um, Blue, my <laughs> pretty twink Fayborn bard, <laughs> um, got taken prisoner by uh, his barbarian goliath mob boss and had the snot beat out of him um, um i wasn't sure where that was going to go i was fully expecting the character to end up dead in the next session as it was i had the the follow-up session and blue that character was going to have his spirit taken out of his body and transplanted into a record player so he would only be able to sing wow <laughs> but then was rescued by a sad robot, basically. And then I cried because sad robots. Um, but by uh, somebody, an entity whose essence had already been put into a like a golem kind of a aspect. So mm. Blue is okay, but Jade is sad. And then my arcane trickster, Curiosity, got uh, a letter or two in the mail from the Thieves Guild in the city where they grew up. The leader of said Thieves Guild, when Curiosity was 17, they're now 27, uh, was just like, you either join the Thieves Guild or you get out of town. They got out of town because this guy scared the crap out of them. Ten years later, letter in the mail with just like, come home, uh, you need to come back, come alone, signed off, and had one of their father's fingers in it. Oh. And and then got intercept, managed to intercept another letter, identical letter, containing an eyeball <laughs> with it. So curiosity is kind of in meltdown. And that all happened like within two weeks where I was having a tough time personally. So mm -hmm. as you can imagine, Jade was somewhat frazzled. But things are sort of on the upswing now for pretty much everybody except Arayas who uh, I'm going back to tomorrow with the session for that game but it's an interesting thing I suppose like we play 
I play a lot of tabletop games. I know a lot of people that do. And the reasons why we play them and the stories we like to explore, I have no problem addressing dark subjects and like things that are, excuse me, that are difficult or sad or that try me as a person or challenge me as a person the way I think and the way I feel. It just was really shitty timing that it was bad for everybody. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, like I didn't even have the reprieve of my D and D characters to go think about. So yeah, I mean, we've talked how we sometimes use role playing as therapy, um, but it can very easily be the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that's very unfortunate. But uh, everything things are sort of upswinging. Like it's still very bad for curiosity, but I've spoken to like the DM, and there's some exciting stuff backstory stuff that we worked out with a magic item that just adds another interesting element and I actually hold myself partially responsible uh, because I really should have had the foresight to maybe go huh maybe I should have said when we were discussing lines and veils that I wasn't in a place to deal with a possibly dead dad narrative Mm. so I definitely got triggered and I'm using the term deliberately in that session uh, because I was crying for about an hour afterwards. And I spoke to my DM afterwards and he, he, we talked through it and it was okay. It was literally just because it caught me so by surprise. Yeah, that was yeah. the second session with that character. So <laughs> it was... A- and especially if, mm. you know, you've built up, well, at least I have D&D tonight, that would be fun, kind of. Yeah. And, uh, mindset uh, yeah it's definitely got the legs sort of taken out from underneath me but I guess it's just a lesson just like I am looking forward to playing some of this stuff out now that I know I'm going to be yeah but uh, yeah so casual reminder to my tabletop playing listener friends and listeners um, make your DMs and GMs aware of things if it occurs to you after the fact, like you don't just have to have one veils and lines or X card conversation with your mm-hmm. DM. And uh, although we don't have an X card while we play, um, my DM for that game was just like, just private message me like the pound sign. And I'll know that we mm. need to cut the scene as soon as possible and move on to something else. So, you know, communication is good. Communication is good. It is. Uh, I was going to talk about Critical Role, but I feel like that might actually be a significantly longer topic to talk we're about. We're running quite long, actually. Yeah, we are. Um, I wanted to know if you we should just tackle a couple of questions and save yeah. everything else for next time. Let's do that. Let's do the thing. Yeah, so we got some questions. Scrolling through the G-Doc, scrolling through the G-Doc. Um, and they seem kind of short and sweet. So... Um, <laughs> Amar said, uh, all over the Facebook group as well, um, aside from your phone, a uh, place you keep your money, what do you never leave the home without? Uh, um, I think if I'm just nipping to the shops, it's just keys, phone, money holder, as it were, um, for me. If you're coming to mine or going to... Ah, in that case, I have my bag. My, my mm. bag, I, there's a lot of stuff in there I don't tend to take out. So I always have in that bag a uh, a notebook and pen. I have a hairbrush. I have deodorant, purse, keys, uh, headphones. And I also have in there, because I like, I also have hand sanitizer because it's good for getting Sharpie off if I see a graffiti that upsets me or I think is like, Hmm. uh, it's really good for getting like Sharpie off plastic and metal. Um, I read that somewhere. 
Uh, yeah, that tends to be... Oh, and a pair of sunglasses in a glasses case. That just tends to be what is in my military surplus satchel that I have. During this really hot summer, I got into using a proper oh. uh, fan. Oh, nice. Not like not a powerful one, like a powered one, a, you know, one I thwop downwards and fan myself with. Like a and southern I'd often bell. Get, yeah, I'd get like looks on the tube, but I'd never be like, huh. And then get very jealous because mm-hmm. fans, who knew? They are stunning. They work. <laughs> oh, I also always have a, this metal water bottle with me because <laughs> I try to be better about being dehydrated or not being dehydrated. Isn't it? Um, yes. And uh, second question from Kansas. Uh, who was your first fictional queer crush? Mine was, is it Shigo? Shigo. Shigo? From Kim Possible. Excellent choice, Kansas. Excellent choice. <laughs> you know, I've talked before on the show about being kind of a late developer in terms of crush. I remember thinking lots of characters, wanting them to be my friend, like desperately wanting them to be my friend or hang out with them, which on reflection, kind of a crush. The only, the one that I definitely had as a as a aware enough to know, oh, this is kind of a stomach fluttering romanticy thing, was Dylan Saunders, which is Drew Barrymore's character in Charlie's Angels. Nice. Um, I remember having this big crush on Patsu, the boy from uh, Castle in the Sky, mm-hmm. um, and it made me very sad to like become aware that oh, no, I'm a grown-up now, and that was a kid, and I had a crush on him when he was a kid. But Mm. in my defense, in the American dub, he is voiced like a man. (laughs) And then, and that was the only one I I watched. And he's, like, really deep, and he's, like, self-sufficient, and he has his own, like, house and job and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then I watched it um, subtitled, and I was like, oh, no, that is a child. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, okay, end of crush. Yep. Um, but I still, I love, I love the character. He, he's, I love kind of adventure boys like mm. Tintin and uh, Ness from Earthbound, and so he's definitely something I want to cosplay one day. Dig it. Um, I think as we've talked before about queer, like, do I fancy you or do I want to be you? Yes. And that was definitely a early element of that for me. Sure. Oh, that's a good question. Thanks, thanks, Kansas, and thanks for that fun one, Amar. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's the end of the episode. We went. I thought this would be a short one because we're essentially just talking about little trailers. But as all you know, as always, our ability to waffle on. <laughs> um, we'll save some of our points for next time because I want to talk about that stuff as well. Um, but if you'd like to send in a question for us, please do so at boxnotincluded at gmail or via social media. We're box not included on Twitter and Tumblr, and we also have our amazing Facebook group where we all have. Uh, a, a lot of the topics we talked about today got posted by other people um, in that group as well. So mm-hmm. uh, feel free to do that. Or you can talk to us directly. I'm at Hamish Steele. And I am at Jade Oxford Rose. Uh, quick shout out. Uh, we will be having another, I think we'll have one more episode possibly go out before Nine Worlds. Uh, Hamish has said he won't be there. I am going to be there. I'm going to be running panels. I'm going to be, I'm on three bits of content. Um, I'm running a roundtable discussion on exploration of the self through tabletop games and LARP. I am uh, moderating a panel on reclaiming cyberpunk 
and I am sort of a speaker and moderator on a panel about critical role called How you, How Do You Want to Do This? Uh, but if you are a listener of Box Not Included um, and you are going to be at Nine Worlds, please feel free to come up and say hello. I'm going to be doing cosplay most days, but obviously I'll have my badge. If you come along to one of those specific panels, please say hello. Um, I'm, very, I'm very sad to miss it. I, this will be my first Nine Worlds I'm not at. Um, I'll just say that the reason I'm not there is that I am doing a panel at Edinburgh Book Festival. Um, it's about cartoons. I can't remember exactly what it's called. I think it's like Truth of the Tune or something like that uh, with Tom Gould. So if you're in Scotland or Edinburgh or going to the festival, um, that will be on the 12th, I think, of August. Mm-hmm. Does that, that sound that's right? That weekend, yeah. Okay, so both week wherever you are in the country, come see us at a panel. <laughs> we just won't be together. Yes. And as always, we'd like to thank Graham Waller, Audio Overlord, and Master of the Soundwaves for our theme music and helping produce the podcast. But until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And don't let anyone box you in. Thank <laughs> you.